What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Northeast Jits podcast. This week on the show, Professor Adisa. What up? Coach Alex. Hello there. Professor Mike. The difference between the American and the British. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> what up? What up? What up? <laughs> it's true. All right, so continuing on our theme of having some more of our coaches on, thought I'd wrangle Coach Alex and uh, interrogate him uh, for Thanks all of his for coming, great man. stories. Pleasure. You are, pleasure. Can I just say, he's the smartest dress guest we've ever had. Apart from Co- Coach Lauren, perhaps. Lauren used to dress Noted. like But yeah, I'm loving it. Purely by accident, though. Because of what I've got to do afterwards. <laughs> All right. <laughs> You're rocking it, man. You're looking good. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Nice, Alex. Uh, just get straight into it. Where, where are you from? I was born in Leicester. In a lovely estate um, around kind of West Leicester. Okay. So that's on the city centre. Mm, walk me through your journey of how you ended up into Leeds. Leicester, all the way through, school, 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 loved school. Just put it out there, absolutely loved school. Were you good at school? No. <laughs> That's why I loved school. That is it. Wow. Yeah, yeah, was it? But, you know, I, I did well, I could work, but I could also play. Right. So I played a lot of football, a lot of sport, athletics, all that kind of stuff. So I loved school. Still friends with all the lads from home. Really? That's beautiful. You know what I mean? I was away last week with one of them camping in Wales. So we still see each other a lot, so there's a real love there. But Leicester, sorry if anyone's from Leicester, not the greatest aspirations. I've done a lot of work in Leicester. Yeah. So you probably see it's, you know, it's very, it's a beautiful community, they're beautiful um, mixture of people, which I'm really, really proud yeah. of, really proud of that, and taught me a lot growing up. But I wanted to get away. I wanted to get away from my mother. So Went to get with my brothers. So the first chance I got was university. So I dived out to Liverpool, did four years there. Isn't Liverpool nice? Oh, I love Liverpool. It's the people. You go from Leicester to Liverpool, the people are, whoa. They are, in Leicester, very known as kind of a bit ignorant, a bit, you know, like, mate, yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever. When in Liverpool, they are like, whoa. <laughs> Yeah. In your face, Liverpool they don't amplified. care. They, oh, Liverpool is amplified. Yeah, oh, and I absolutely <laughs> loved it there. What, did, it there. what did you read at university? So, in the whole, not particularly too good at school. First year, I did Italian and business. Nice. Failed it. <laughs> uh, they went, look, come back, but you can't do this. So I did sports science. I was like, way. <laughs> so they gave cool. me a second chance. And, you know, so I ended up in four years at university. Totally believe in that. The universe had something to do with that because mm. I met some most amazing people. That's great. In those three years, um, I had a partner at the time, a girlfriend at the time. She moved to Harrogate. I moved back to Leicester. It was hell on earth in Leicester, going really? back from your independence to then living with my mother again. It was almost like I'd gone back four years. Mm six years to being a child again mm. and the same responsibilities my brothers mm. and all that whole feeling of and I was like I've got to get away so I moved to Harrogate and then ended up wandering to Leeds a few times and going this place is absolutely amazing Leeds is so awesome and moved here split with her and then 
Boom. And that was 2002, 2003. Right. How old are you, Alex? 43. At my age, yeah. I one thing, that I don't want to jump off topic a little bit, but I think you going back to live with your mum after university, I think a lot of, of the younger generation have to do that now. It's mm, difficult, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. You know, because they can't afford to buy a house, right? Yeah, like, yeah. they hit roll over the news. So they're having to come back home to where they get... That's tough. Yeah. I couldn't do it. when I, I mean, I left at home at 16. <laughs> he was no, like, I, I couldn't do it. Look at his face. You can yeah, see the conviction. Yeah, that is not happening. That. that was a tough time for you. It was, yeah. But I, again, a pattern for me was I filled my time away from the house. So I worked in a bar, mm. worked in a restaurant. I worked at the local uh, county council serving tea and coffee to people. You know, I did as much as I could to earn the money to keep away. Mm. And I think that that's a bit of a pattern that I've learned through my life is this, trying to get away from the problem. Mm. Running away, running away. Mm. Something I've dealt with, I'm dealing with now. But it's good that you're aware of it even, yeah? Oh yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, and then I ended up in Leeds as a 23 year old. So you grew up quite sporty, it's like you're doing football yeah. and you had a few siblings. Yes. Did, did any of these sporting or siblings end up with any scraps at, back when you were a kid? Yes. One particular, my middle brother was always fighting. Always fighting with us, with people. Was he good at with it? With himself. He was very good at it. He was very good at it. No, no, no formal training. He just had this edge to him. Right. Um, which, you know, me and my other brother, the younger one, uh, we often laugh because everyone knew him. Mm. And we were all called Hammond. Notorious. Everyone was, all three of us called Hammond, so you didn't really know who you're talking about. <laughs> so, you know, it was, uh, it was great to have him around. He's, uh, he's a, certainly a character. You're the eldest of the three then. I am and, indeed. And how, I'm the eldest of three as well. How was that growing up? Did you feel a responsibility to look after them or, <sighs> or not? Massively. Mm -hmm. it, and we've discussed very briefly it's from a single parent family. Father left when I was nine. Mm -hmm. Said so my brother would have been. We've well, lived three. parallel lives. <laughs> we have indeed. You know, absolutely. Yeah. And the love and respect I've got for my mum is unbelievable. She brought us up, but she had to work. Right. And she wanted to study, so she did. So those, you know, I took on a lot of responsibility as a, mm. as a young man of cooking and cleaning and. You know, mowing the lawn. Mm. I always remember being out there like 10 going, oh, this is a night, I hate lawns. I'm always going to my gardener. And I still do it now. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I quite enjoy it. Um, but, you know, I think that bit, you take on, I take, took on a lot of responsibility. And that has played out massively in my life moving mm. forward. Is that where your work ethic kind of comes from now when you were saying like you were working a few jobs, making sure you always didn't have to go back? Yes. And it was much more... There was, I was okay with the responsibility. I think it was the, I didn't mind doing the bits. It was more of the mental side to it of afterwards. I didn't, I wasn't doing anything for myself really, apart from work, play football, go out and get drunk with my mates. And it was really, it was really just constant. There was never a stop. Mm. Who was, it was who just a treadmill of it. Oh, it was, it was constant. It was, a, but then I had in my mind, it was, this is where you do it, isn't it? You know what I mean? Who was taking care of Alex? Uh, now, me, me mother was. Me mates were. Very much looked after my mates. So I learned a lot of my oh, behaviours through growing up with 11, 12, 13-year-old boys, 16-year-old boys. Right. Showing you what to do. Yeah. 
Same. Learning all about life because my mum didn't have time. Right. Bless her soul. You know what I mean? She had three boys to look after. Yeah, it's a lot. It, it was a lot. So I did a lot of learning, you know, some stories of yeah, things happening as, as young men. But I learned through peers, not through a, a kind of a father figure. Mm. So I thought that was always... Mm. The reason I ask is, I, it's only, I can only say from my own experience, because it's very, very similar to yours. Dad left at the same time, eldest of three. There was, a, there was an expectation that's followed me through my whole life that Mike will sort it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even as an adult. Yeah. You know, someone dies in the family, give Mike a ring, he'll sort it out. There's a problem in the family, give Mike a ring, he'll sort it out. You know, no one's ever looking after me. It's right. always Mike's looking after everyone else. And I wonder if it was the same for you. Moving into adulthood, is it the same now in your family? Are you the person people call? or And, and also, on the other side, do you allow people to look after you? Because I'm really bad at that. Yeah. Do you want a hand with anything? No, I'm good, I'm good. <laughs> You're honestly talking about life. Uh, I'm the fixer. A very close friend of mine, you know, who I spoke to, he died last year. Mm. And, you know, very close to my heart, taught me a lot. And he always used to go, you're the man, Alex. You're the man, aren't you? You'll fix my problems. You'll fix everyone. You're the man. And he used to go, yeah, I think I am the man sometimes, actually. And it really put it out there because he was taking the mickey to say, stop it. Right. You know what I mean? Why do you want to be the man? Well, I've always been the man. I've been the sort of my mum's stuff out, my brother's out, mate's out. It's always that. And I've been doing a reading recently around the kind of self-sacrifice. It's a very self-sacrifice kind of, I want to do the best for others at the cost of myself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You'll, you'll, and that's a pattern. Yeah, it's a pattern for you. It's a pattern for, it's a pattern for a lot of people, really. Absolutely. You know, people yeah, take, yeah. people will take the, they'll feed their sure. pet before they feed themselves, right? Mm. Like, they don't, we don't look after ourselves well enough, probably. I think uh, it's, it's a deep, deep point, yeah. And, and family now, so you've got a wife. Wife, Lisa... Married 10 years this year. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Epic. It's been a roller coaster. <laughs> uh, <laughs> love is like that. Love is like that. <laughs> uh, got Finn, who's 12, and Rowan, who is eight. And you've met Rowan because she came to jiu-jitsu for a bit. Yeah. So, which is, again, it's been a very interesting... After kind of moving to Leeds was like, having kids and getting married, your next biggest kind of life event, you think? No, I travelled the world. Oh, no way. For a year, I did, went to Australia, New Zealand. I did the typical. How was New Zealand? How was one Oh, it's beautiful. It looks amazing. Beautiful. It's, I can only say it's like a, it's like the UK in yeah. size. They just, the extreme sports they do are out of this world. Bungee jumping. South Islands. Ah, South, oh, South Islands. Just, <laughs> Look at his yeah. eyes lit up. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those places I, stu- I thought, yeah, they've got glaciers. That's the crazy. walks are amazing. The mountains are massive. It it's looks just like, so beautiful, <gasps> man. It's great. And there's, there's very few people there. So it's really peaceful. Mm. You know what I mean? You can, but you're not too far from anywhere. That's awesome. So I loved it there. Then I went to uh, Asia, Thailand, uh, Cambodia, all that type of stuff. And then came back for a bit. And then I went to South America for three, four months. Where'd you go in South um, America? Did... Uh, Ecuador, Peru, Bolivia, Chile, Argentina, oh, you Brazil. Yeah, it was a real whistle stop. And I went with my little brother, which was mega, which is our first kind of experience together because he was six years younger than me, so we never really did anything together. It was always, 
Well, he's just too young. When I was 18, he's yeah, 12. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. I'm out. I'm off to uni. I come back from uni and he's, you know, he's 16, to right. 17, whatever. So he, I went to university and we laughed because he always goes, every time I could speak to you, you've gone. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are there any uh, stories that you and your brother still tell from that trip? Oh, massively. <laughs> Not for this. There's some pretty... Uh, yeah, there's ones. Just the culture in itself was was very very different. Fortunately, we never got hurt. That's always great. You know, uh, we did some stupid things and we we're very fortunate. Um, but it was a real a real learning about culture for me. Yeah. Mm. When you go to Washington, New Zealand, the culture is kind of the same. But when you went there, it was really a different language, really heavily different language. And all, all some of the stuff there was amazing. And if you had to pick one country that you visited then, out of all those different experiences, what would be your favourite? Go back. Well, what did I, where did I go? Hey, hey. Yes. Hey, listen, the business doesn't stop. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Active out here. Yeah. Good, good. Active. Um, one I'd say was, Peru was great. Because of, we did that Machu Picchu thing. Oh, did man. you see Paddington Bear? Oh. Was he there? The uh, and, uh, no, he wasn't actually. No, I was raging. No marmalade anywhere either. I was gutted. Tragic. <laughs> tragic. <laughs> very tragic. Very tragic. But that was beautiful. It was very, it, just to do that, it was very spiritual. Mm. One of my first kind of spiritual experiences, mm. really, of going up there, getting to the top, seeing this beautiful city, mm. but not seeing it because it was really cloudy. Mm. See thing. Oh, no. So it took three days to get there. I got to the top and it's just cloud. And me and my brother were like that. Oh my God. Went down into this beautiful place and you could just see probably to, I don't know, 10 metres. Wow. So we sat at this top of this bit and we both sat there and just went, you know what? There's nothing we can do here. Sat there, like laid down a bit and this suddenly, it all just moved. Up. No. And it was there and we were like, <gasps> it was meant to be. <laughs> Dude, and great. then it, we saw that and there's these other things to climb and stuff. So it was, it was a... a a real beautiful experience. It's something I, I certainly remember mm. very, very well. Amazing. That's really cool. Did uh, becoming a dad change you a lot, you think? Massively. And one thing, because having not had a father, he was there, he was around, um, and I kind of almost was, I want to show I can be. I want to mm. show what a good dad can be. Because I've learned what the good bits and the bad bits. And now I've got the opportunity to bring that together. Right. Um, so I'd always wanted to be a father. I want, and my wife always laughs at me about it. We well, actually not laughs at me. She always goes, you said you wanted three kids. <laughs> and we've only got two, we should have another one. I'm like, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I said three, I can change my mind. You know, I can change my mind. So, and you know, being a father is like. Do you find it difficult though? I, I do. I, because there's a pressure, because exactly the same, I didn't have that father figure myself. <clears throat> so I wanted to be the best dad I could possibly be. But you're not going to be because you're going to make mistakes. You're going to fly off the handle when you shouldn't do. You're going to say things that you regret. You're going to make decisions that you wish you hadn't made. And I used to often drive to work, you know, often, sometimes in tears, like with the guilt of not being that dad that I wanted to be. Um, of course, in the round you are, but there's occasions yeah. when you miss the mark. There's always just going to be pockets you can't cover because fatherhood requires that much. But it's so, when it means so much to you, it it's, you beat yourself up. How yeah. have you navigated that when you've maybe 
you know, flashed at the kids or said something that you shouldn't have said or, or have you never done that? Oh, no, 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 I have massively. And it's, I went back to what kind of person am I? What kind of father do I want to be? You know, what do I, what, how would I want my kids to think about me in the future? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And uh, for me, it's about being kind. I want my kids to be kind. They are, I, so I need to be kind. Mm-hmm. So I try my hardest to show that by being kind and that's sometimes by biting your tongue and not want you know. I'm not very good at that but... <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I think you know, and I've grown into that a lot more the other is the ability to talk to to me and be someone who is there so they can talk to because I didn't really have anyone to talk to mm. and I want to I want them to be there know that they can come and talk to me if they've got issues all that kind of stuff and I've had some real flashes of that, but at the same time, it's sometimes it's so hard to listen to their bloody waffle and pointless conversations. And you know what I mean? Finn Rowan, if you've watched this, you're still great. <laughs> uh, but it's really hard yeah. because there's, a, there's so much going on, but I've learned to do a bit more of a be present. There is only this moment right now. Mm. And that's something uh, that's we've talked lifetime, about. That is a lifetime practice, yeah. my friend. We've talked about that a lot, and that's a real practice for me now, is to be present at that moment, you know. I, I went to a presentation by this guy, uh, it's The Art of Being Brilliant, it was called, and it, this was early on in my work career, and he kind of said, when you read a book to your son, daughter, read it like it is the most important thing there. Put, put the people in it, and... put emotion in it, dance move with it and I thought yeah man I'm reading a book like that yeah yeah, 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 yeah. to get on the next stuff and it's that bit of what and so so the, the way I'm coping with it is to be present mm. and I could probably do that about 30 40% of the time getting better but I really am very conscious at this point in time in being present a lot I think about being uh a dad was to also impart my knowledge and experience of the world and wisdom of my childhood and, ah, and, yes. and actually thinking this is the way I am. And I learned very quickly from football, I did football coaching before, um, before supporting you guys, assistant coach here. And I found it really tough not to let Finn get on and play his football because I had, I'm speed. I've always been quick. Mm. My thing was speed, energy, you know what I mean? Active. Get to the ball, disrupt, all that kind of stuff. Finn isn't like that. And the frustration I had. Right. And I took it out on him, on the side, on all that. And that's been a real learning journey for right. me. Learning be himself and, and finding his way. In the I, I, I coached the first year of Orson playing football with another dad. Worst decision. <laughs> I was awful to him. Really? Yeah. yeah. Because he cares so much that they fulfil their potential. Yeah. It's not about how good they are. I mean, I'm lucky yeah, also he's a great yeah. footballer. But I just so wanted him to be the best he could possibly yeah. be. I, I'd, I'd lose my shit with him in the car yeah. before matches. Like, Remember what you want to do? And it's, it's awful looking yeah. back. I'm like yeah. embarrassed. Somehow, yeah. when I was coaching, like five years, four undefeated. <laughs> <laughs> Lost one game and the other one. Anyway, <laughs> I thought I was going to be overbearing or whatever. 
I still don't really understand how I pulled it off without we got closer. We got closer in those times. Mm. And uh I still don't know what it is. And he was a goalie. So that's high pressure, right? Mm. Like if your dad's a coach and your son is the goalie, like we lost because of you. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know what I mean? But 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 he, he was taking cannonballs to the chest at will. Boosh, I'll be like, He's a wall, you know what I mean? But like somehow we we got closer during that time, and I was really that's what I was most worried about. Um, maybe it's because it, I was so worried about it that it didn't happen. You know what I mean? Yeah, the thing I've realized over time, it's, it's only recently actually, is that to be honest, you can say whatever you want to kids; <laughs> they're gonna listen to you. <laughs> but what they do is they watch. And they, and the reason I can say this is, you know, both my boys now will come and train in the gym. Mm-hmm. They were in this morning training in the gym. Mm-hmm. One went out to do hill sprints. One went out to, on the, for their own back at half six in the morning, 12, 30. Right. They only do that, not because I've said you should do it. It's because me and Sarah have always trained. Yeah. And like, yeah. So that's all they know. Yeah. Right. Like, that's this what is we the do. way. Right. That's what we this do. the way. Like, that's the worst what life is. You don't have to tell them that. You have to lead by example. Okay. Just being yeah. kind. You want your kids to be kind, you have to be kind. Absolutely. You can't tell them to be kind. You're yeah. going to be. Yeah. You just showed me something because the one thing that I held myself to is there was a book. You, you, I mean, I'm, this guy, he was from SEAL Team 6, David Marchinko or something. He's one of the early, probably the founders of SEAL Team 6. But anyway, he always had this whole thing about what he called leading from the front, which was by he never told his soldiers to do a thing that he couldn't do. Mm-hmm. So if he was like, we got to hop this wall, he would hop over the yeah. wall. So they're like, damn, I got to go hop the wall. Not just, you walk the wall, right? And so one of the things, there was another rival team that actually practiced on a field across from us, and we used to be on that team. And so all those dudes had guts out to here. And I would say, we're going to pass the ball like that. We're going to shoot the ball like that. And so I think that's what it was, that I was leading from the front. I never asked them to be Pele. I just said, just do what I tell you to do, pass what I tell you to pass, and we'll win. And they did, and we won. But most coaches, they don't. No. Most co- of most sports. Yeah, and parents too. I think you know, we want to tell our kids. Too. We want to. That's what I'm coming back to. It's like the influence you have on your children. It's about, and I see that in jiu-jitsu, like to bring it to the, the yeah, kind yeah, of the, yeah. the space here. You can tell a student, put your hand there, put this there, do right. that. But actually, you know, or you can say, for instance, last night, you know, be a good teammate. Be a good. Te- you can yeah. say that. You need to be a good teammate yourself, mm-hmm. and people will want to do it. Good people are going to listen to a degree, but they have to want to do it for themselves. Which I guess kind of <laughs> comes into the Finn does martial arts. He does uh, Premier Martial Arts, you know, Ricky Lam nice. and his style. He's one of the founding members of the Leeds one when it all started. And it was a bit like, oh, he's doing martial arts, he's doing martial arts now, you know what I mean? And I'm like, going, no, you've got to keep going, you've got to keep going. I'm not role modeling this. Mm. So that was one of the kind of motivations to walk through the door a bit was, you know, actually, I've always wanted to do martial art. I've done bits and bobs here and there, but never really committed to anything. And it just felt like he was doing that. I'm going to do that, girl. So he was role modeling to you? Yeah, no, abso- absolutely. Because he that? was dedicated. He wanted to go. And I was like, yeah, man. That's awesome. Yeah. And why jiu-jitsu then? So what was it about Brazilian jiu-jitsu? Because you could have gone to Premier, you could have gone and hit some pads. Like, yeah. What was it about jiu-jitsu? The so it's here, proximity to where I live. So I knew it would be, I could walk here. You know, I took away a lot of the 
barriers that a lot of people have of, oh God, I can't get there or, yeah. and all that. So that was like amazing. I'd heard great things from people. Um, and from that, I'm like, I'm gonna try it. I'm gonna say this out loud. I walked past the door many times. You're not the only one. No, absolutely. And it takes it, courage to walk yeah, in. Oh, big time. And I, I remember that first time as well. It was Saturday. It was mega. You know, the feeling I got of being in the room with everybody. I never felt like that before. And that was what brought me back again. It wasn't the jiu-jitsu. It was the people in the room and the feel. And that's what, you know, I, I love the sport and the learning piece is really important for me is, um, and, you know, training with you guys and listening to you right from the start of that challenging yourself. You know what I mean? Putting yourself under pressure, stacked, whatever it is, crushed, and breathing. Just relax into it and just going, you can get out of this. There is a way. And then applying that to life was a huge change for me because I've always been a speed, energy, yeah. Oh yeah. Well, when this was chill. Right. And that has been a huge change in my life from doing this. And I have to say it has impacted my mental health massively. And actually I reckon probably has kept me on an even keel for not having because I've had mental health problems in the past. Is having another ex uh, what's the word they use these days? I'd say mental breakdown, but I don't know mm. if you're allowed to say that anymore. Episode. Episode. Um, this has kept me... Pretty even. Even to the point where I know I can come here and be present, you know, and challenge myself and then learn a little bit. You know, Coach Fruit talks about just take that one tiny thing away every week. It's true, man. It's one, if it's just one thing, brilliant. Two, brilliant, but one, adding to what you're doing, off you go. You don't have to go into any details, Alex, but can you talk about um, those mental health challenges? So how do they present themselves? Like, what is it? Do you get low or do you get do you high? Like, what, what is it? You don't have to go into any details. No, it, well, it's, it's, a, it's an anxiety, depression kind of cycle. So it's very high, a lot of highs, but then a lot of lows. Deep lows, but always a masked low. Mm. I mask it with a, I'm all right. And then I'll, and then I'm asking it with a, hey, we're all good. Come on, let's train, woo. So I, I'm up and down like this, yet I think a lot of people would see a steady curve because people want to talk about it. People go, what are you? Well, that, I mean, that's the reason I ask him. We had a brief conversation just about there, yeah. I think, a few weeks ago. <laughs> it was, yeah. I, I don't think I've met, I don't think there's anyone in the academy I'd say that. This is a big statement because um, we've got over 400, was it 438 this month? I think, members, which is amazing. Um, I don't think there's there's anyone I know apart from you who who comes in with the same level of enthusiasm and positivity and smile. I think if anyone who's listened to this who knows you will say that. Hmm. Um, so here's a challenging question. So, so is that real? Or is that you coming in with a face on because you're Alex, the guy who's happy? Or are you always like that? And if you always are, how? What's the secret? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Sheer us. Because that, that, that's what I love about you, man. I will say that. And I said that to you. That's what I love about you. Yeah. And in a way, I envy you for that. Because I'm not that positive all the time. So how do you do it? So, 
I've not always been like, about, so I've always been the clown. It's something I've, so it's what I've done through being a child, being a clown. And actually with that reaction, I've learned, oh, this is really nice. It's an external situation. Oh, oh brilliant people. Oh, oh, they're laughing at me. Oh, this is great and all that kind of stuff. And that's kind of followed me through and actually it's been a real problem mm. being a clown. Mm. Because actually it's affected my career at times because they're like, we can't promote you because you're a bit of an idiot. Right. But what I found was as I got to grips with the reasons why I was being a clown, actually I found that the energy I brought improved what was going on around me. Mm. And actually one of the, my values and one of my purposes in life is actually I really love improving myself but with others which is why I love the assistant coach work so actually that is me mm. when I come in it's because when I walk through that door I'm not putting that on actually that is exactly who I am because when I come in here I am present I'm who I am and I'm not masking anything yeah love that That's you can't amazing. either really. <laughs> no, I mean, no, no. if you came in with a smile on your face and get stacked it's going to Dissipate pretty quick. Yeah. And if you're really pissed off, that will come out. Yeah, but it's like, you know, if, I, if, if I'm having, if I'm tired or I'm out, I've had a bad week or I've had some confrontation mm. and something happens on the mat that triggers one of my values. So let's say it's a lack of integrity or a lack yeah. of respect or the things that really matter to me, it comes out. You can't hide it, man. It's the mat's a mirror. We talked about this. It's so Whatever true. you're feeling will come out on the mat. You can't put it on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think jiu-jitsu has changed you much as a person? Do you think your, um, <clears throat> do you think your family would recognise a, a, a... Have they seen a difference in you? Massively. I, it, it, hugely, not... I've gone... I've moved from being a gym... You know, I think I've probably... Since doing jiu-jitsu, I've probably lost about three-quarters of a stone in weight, muscle. Wow. So I used to do a lot of weights and yeah. that kind of stuff. So I've, I've lost a lot of that. I need to look massive. That massive guns and all that kind of stuff. Actually, that now is all gone. Is that a positive thing, you think? It is a positive for me, yeah, oh, because nice. uh, it's uh, a feeling of that I am... You're enough. I am enough as, as, as I am. When before, I was looking for, I need muscles, because actually mm. people then see me as the muscly guy at work and worry. Yeah. Right, right, right. So, yeah, when now I, I do this, it keeps me fit. The bit it does for me the most is it just providing me with learning. Mm. So I do, I, I watch videos, I do a little bit here and there, you know, after a class, I write it down. Oh, really? I journal the classes, especially ones where I'm like, I didn't really get that. On an evening, I'll go through it, I'll go through the moves, I'll write it down. Interesting. To help put that in my mind. So again, part of my journaling, I, I journal on an evening. To my wife's dismay. How long have you been doing that? I've been doing that since October last year. Um, and I found it's really helped my mind, but also retain some of the jiu-jitsu you get because it moves on week by week by week yeah. by week by yeah. week. And it's intense. Actually, there's some parts of it that I'm like, yeah, that's a bit area. Half guard, something I really want to work on. Soon as that, you're, you put your thing up, bang, I'm going there. <laughs> Right. So I've got a whole page of half guard. No, you know, that's really interesting because there's a book by a guy named Chris Matakas. He writes amazing jujitsu books. 
and I think it's in Five Rules for Every White Belt, he said that he believes every student should have a journal. He said every student should have a journal. You should write down the techniques. You should write down the roles. Now, back when I was at Heroes, when I was really a blue belt who was really trying to get to the next level, I absolutely would leave, punch it back to the house, no matter what the day went like, whether it was good or bad. And I wrote down what was taught to the best of my ability. And the main reason, the benefit that I found from it was you figure out whether you actually remember the move or not, right? And then you're like, yeah. Because like while Gumby's moving, I'm like, right hand, oh, okay, then put your foot there and shift the hip, right? And it really helped hold on to a lot. And, and I've tried halfway of doing, because like what happens is like if you're showing the move, I'll usually like either try to film you do it, but then I'll try to write it. Same with you, like if you're showing stuff, I try to write it down, but I used to keep everything in a drive and I don't do that. So that's what I have to do. I have to either bring a physical journal and just write mm -hmm. it when you do it, or I gotta. Well, I mean, we've had, we've had Stuart Zane, like he writes on the map. You know, he brings in a notepad and he'll mm -hmm. write on the map because mm -hmm. that's the way he can turn yeah. I think I think if you if it helps you, I think great. Some people, that's just not they, gonna be they, the they're way. They're just here to have fun. That's great too, yeah. man. Because yeah. I think what we're not saying is like, you've got a journal to yeah, be yeah, yeah, progress. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, can yeah. just come and just train. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. get the community bit, yeah. get yeah. the feeling in the world. Yeah. No, that's awesome. I was gonna say, um, it was interesting for the coaching stuff you do. I thought maybe when Rowan would stop wanting to do jiu-jitsu, you'd probably pack in the coaching as well. But if anything, I feel like you hear more. <laughs> <laughs> Why was that? Well, I talked about the bit, you know, the bit around improving, developing, being there to help people. There's something about that that I loved. And being part of a team, I think is the, the bit, that coaching team is mega. When you're with, you know, the group chat, looking after each other. So when you come in here, and I come in on a Monday and a Saturday, you're coming into a team and you are all working together. There's a very clear goal. It's giving those kids a brilliant experience. It's so not teaching jiu-jitsu, is it? It's, no. it's giving them the best it's, night. Absolutely. Yeah. So you're there, and that, again, I'm present. You know, I, I never, ever come out of it going, that was awful. I come out this is true. buzzing, you know, and it's an hour and a half, two hours on a Monday and Saturday that, you know, I will continue to do because of being part of the team, the community that you're That's in. Awesome. And I, 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 I'm repeating it, but the goal is clear. It's not an ambiguous goal like Camion football, win, 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 or develop it. This is give these kids the best experience they're going to have, fun, and they'll learn a little bit, and they'll come back, and you're there with a smile on your face. And, and, you That's know. great to hear, because I think some people um, perhaps have shied away from wanting to volunteer, because we, you know, we're always after people who want to who wanna coach. Yeah. Um, because they think they have to be able to teach jiu-jitsu. It's like, no, no, the lead instructors teach jiu-jitsu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The assistant coaches are there to give everyone a great yeah. time. Yeah. Are you coming to, uh, it's, it's lovely to hear you talk about the coaching community. Are you coming to our night out on the first Absolutely. Thing? So for people who don't know, so in fact, this morning, Alberto mentioned he'd, he'd ordered a, a gi. Um, coaches get a 30% discount on GB wear, which is another little kickback. You get a discount on your membership and every month or every quarter we do like a coaches night out. Yeah. yeah. So this, Next Thursday, we're going to Rudy's in Chapel Island. 
and we're going to buy everyone pizzas and we're going to hang out as yeah. a team. Rudy's. Cool. Rudy's. Have you been to Rudy's? No. Down. No. You've no. never been to Rudy's? No. no. The pizzas are unreal. Ridiculous. Oh, 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 it's about to go down, my friend. So we, 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 we're going to be spending about 500 quid on pizza. But it's, it's great. It's your order for me. So. Yeah. <laughs> but it's so good because I think that is the power of that, that experience as a coach. It's like you say, Alex, we're all in it together. It is a team. It is a mini community within a community. Yeah. And it's yeah. wonderful, isn't it? Yeah. And what... What are we doing? We're helping other people, man. There's nothing more self-gratifying than helping other people. That's phenomenal. I do feel like it's a bit different when you're when I'm get, when I'm coming for LC one and I put on my uniform. I'm like, right, I'm going out to I'm going to to battle, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> when instead of like I'm going in to do like uh, like just beat in a class, it's like a different putting on of my uniform. It's like I'm like preparing myself for to go through like a right. I'm here to like do this thing rather than yeah, being yeah. like, all right, I'm going to go train. Bro, listen, I was chatting to Professor Lewis yesterday. I hope he, he won't be listening to this, but I hope he doesn't mind saying. So he, there's a potential for them to move units to a different, and one of the reasons he wants to move is he wants an office. Because Harrogate is open plan, right? You've been sure to is, yeah. You can't escape. Yeah. And sometimes when you're in there and the kids are outside, you, it's a deep breath before you open the door, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, you're only like, and you're, you're a tea or your mic and you're like, and then you're out. Hey, what's up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's t- it is. You yeah, become yeah. this thing, and it's the yeah. same with coaching. When you come in, there's a responsibility for you to give that kid the best experience of the life that night. That takes it out. Yeah. How do you manage that? Has it helped your own jujitsu? Because some people say it really helps. I think Liam Grogan said like seeing it broken down to a kid really helps your understanding of the basics. Have you found that? Oh, ma- massively. Um, Turtle already this week, you know, the the difference from the the kids' class we did on Monday to what we did with Farouk on Tuesday morning, you know, I almost used the kids' version because yeah. it was quicker and easier actually at times. So it really does cement the almost the pre-basic part to the fundamentals. Yeah. So I really enjoy that and have actually gone back and journaled ones that we've done um, in in the uh, LC1, LC2, myself and gone, yeah, I, I, I could use yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's clean stuff. Still jiu-jitsu, man. It's still stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I think the other thing that you get from working with the young people, especially like the younger ones at LC1, is that you really learn quickly that your tone and simplicity, that's how you get it done, right? If they do a move and they're smiling, you that do it right. And you're like, <laughs> you did not. But I think if you put your hand here this time, not there, here because, and then there because, now try that. Hey! Well, that's right? more as well, man. Yeah. You know, like, with the, particularly kids. And I had this conversation with uh, Frosty, Coach James, the other day about, um, you know, him teaching GB1 and stuff. And I spoke to all the coaches about this, the lead coaches. Like, GB1, less is more. You know, just, there's a, there's a feeling when you're coaching that you want to give them everything. Sometimes that's too much, man. You know, knowing where the lines are. And it's interesting, like, it's still jujitsu, what we're teaching the kids. It's still the same thing. And if you can do that technique in the adults, that's good for you. You still see, you know, pendulum sweeps in the world championships and black belt fight. It's still the the basics, man. You still see cross collar strangles. Like, they're just, it's all there. Amazing. Have you competed? Are you going to compete? Do you know? I definitely want to compete, yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's one of those things I've wanted to do. 
I've not signed up to anything yet just because of I want to this is the thing that I want to be that's the goal I'm going to be committed to myself yeah I want to go and go for it because I've, done, I've not done a comp team before so it's an, again it's a, it's going to be another level up another commitment to go for at the moment because I think for me balancing jiu-jitsu with my gym stuff which is I need to do to keep the body ticking over family you know I'm, I'm not I'm not a man I think the word busy is a real load of crap you know what I mean no, I'm really busy I can't I'm really, really busy 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 you can always find time to do something but I, it's more of a balance of making sure I'm seeing the family yeah. I'm not doing the whole oh I'm going to immerse myself in this because I'm trying to escape which I've always done. That happens. So, you know, I'm really trying to balance all, all that out. So it'll be a, probably maybe January next, there's a couple of, there's a January next year. So I'm thinking they've got a good, that would be a good window for me. What would be success at a competition for you? Is it winning the gold medal? Just doing it. Right. So just you don't need it. to come to comp team, you don't need a thing. Because actually. Just to do it. Just to go and do it is the thing. It's So really in September, like a lot of the team are going down. Because I think, there's never going to be the perfect time for yeah, it's very the same true, for me. Very true. You know, if I compete again, I ain't going to win the world championships. Yeah. It's not going to happen. So if I was ever to compete again, it would just be for the experience yeah. to push myself a little bit further, to feel those nerves and to overcome it and yeah, to prove yeah. to the kids that I can do it. And if I bring them a medal, great. And if I don't, no, no matter. Yeah. It's, real. It, it's never going to be the perfect time. I think the balance is key though. You've got to get that. Because um, we want people to be in for the long haul. We did a little thing in the team meeting on Monday. 25% of those 438 members, so 100 and odd people, have been here for over two years. That's We've only been open two and a half. Wow. So they've almost That's been here from the start. And we want to grow that nucleus. We want yeah. to be saying one day that 75% of our members have been here for five years. Yeah. yeah. You know, and then 100% of our members have been here for <clears> 10 right. years. Like, that'd be amazing. That would be. A... So Can you've I got to be able you... to stay in the game. Yeah. Can I ask you? Was there anything that jiu-jitsu gave you that you didn't expect? Like how much of, of what you expected did you get, but really what didn't you expect? And then I'll ask you two as well. Like I'm just curious in your journeys, like what did you get from jiu-jitsu that you didn't expect? I didn't expect the calmness. You know, it's a mar as a martial art, I made the assumption it would just be and all that I did not expect the calmness and you know there's still a long way to go with my calmness while whilst doing it you know and not coming out sweating and all that but that is I just was not expecting it to be about being calm yeah translates to the gentle art doesn't it jiu-jitsu totally and that for me you know when I describe to people they're doing what, what that must be so hard it's just like well no actually really it can be really relaxing when you're rolling with someone and totally. trying to find the moves and not trying to rip your head off. You know, actually, yeah. it's a, it's beautiful. Yeah. But people, I think, they see it as a, yeah, but you're choking people out, aren't you? Yeah, but yeah. it's not about the choke. It's about the process of getting there. Yeah. And they're like, all right, so for me, it was, it's the calmness. Totally. Interesting. What would you say? Yeah, thing that comes to mind right now is I don't expect how much studying there'll be. There'll be. <laughs> uh, I think yeah. When you know, I've done martial arts since I was five. So I got a lot of the things I get from jiu-jitsu from doing Thai boxing as well. 
Um, but I think jiu-jitsu, I didn't expect how much I'd spend on BJJ for nights. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, how many hours of my life I'd just dedicate to watching John Donner. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, but that's just because you dedicate to being the most knowledgeable coach, right? Like yeah. if you weren't running this business with me and you weren't, you know, the head of the GBK program and running workshops with people, you know, putting your whole life's work into doing this for a living, like you won't be doing that, right? Yeah, probably. Maybe. Yeah. You'd probably just be training like most yeah. people. But yeah, you yeah. are, you know, and, and people probably don't see that of you, but you are like so dedicated to developing your own knowledge. And it's a testament to you. Yeah, that's what, that's what, what would you say? Well, when I started Jiu Jitsu, I don't know why I got into it. I don't know. I'd done it in the Marines like years ago and I, I enjoyed right. the physical side of it and I enjoyed the fighting element of it. Right. I think the thing that I didn't expect was that it would it would replace the things that I didn't know I'd lost around camaraderie. Yeah. So leaving the military and then leave, and then moving into a, the MOD and that kind of world, which still had an element of it, but didn't have that kind of... There was a feeling when you wear your Green Beret and you, or you went out, there was a group of people around you that were fit, strong, and will back you. Yeah. And you knew. There was like a, a, an inner confidence. Like, these people have got my back. We joked the other day, you went out for dinner with some people at Banyan, and I said, that's the fucking crew not to be messed with. You know, who was yeah. there? You, Ollie Garth, like, like yeah. TML. Look at all these killers. And you'd <laughs> yeah, see yeah. them at the table and you think, there's a group of lads. It's no, fucking, they would fuck any group of guys <laughs> up who came in there. Be careful. And that, that quiet confidence of having a crew around you and that camaraderie, I love, man. Yeah. The shared adversity. So I think for me, it is that, I know if the shit went down, I've got yeah. people I could call yeah. and we'd be, we'd be good. Mm. Um, so yeah, that, that, that's a big thing for me. What about you, man? I think for me, as much as I loved it and I wanted to do it, <laughs> I know it sounds silly, but I didn't think I could do it. I, like at all. Like I remember going- You were a skinny kid when you were young, right? I graduated, when I was 18, I was 100 pounds. Wow. 100 exactly. Like, and that was my goal in high school, was to be one, because I was 98. I was the 98 pound weakling in the comic books <laughs> who had the sand kicked on. And so I was just trying to be 100 pounds. So even though I would go to house and get mauled over and over again, like I just kept going back, because I just, I didn't think I could do it. You know what I mean? I didn't think I could do it. And then one day you actually pull off an arm lock. One day you actually pull off a sweep. And and I got addicted, I think, to discovering what else I didn't think I could do. Mm-hmm. And then that's what was always bringing me back. Like, oh, that looks weird. I don't know if I can do that. But I would just try. So just just the ability to pull any of it off is still a miracle to me, even now. It's not, it's not, uh, there can't be, we've said this a million times, but there can't be many other pursuits in life that give you an opportunity to do something that you're not sure you're able to do or that you think you can't do. An opportunity that gives you the ability to be intense but at the same time calm. An infinite yeah. study journey for the rest mm. of your life that you can never complete. Yeah. It's not, it's a game you can't complete. And the community and the teamwork. No, there can't be many things knocking about no. that I give you all those things. I haven't come I don't think I have, man. You know, That's the, the power of jiu-jitsu, I think, mm. is that it gives each individual person something yeah. and together, it's just fun. the other week he was showing some single leg egg stuff and I was like, my old knees aren't gonna like that. 
but I, I loved trying it. You know what I mean? I love being like, oh, oh, not fully comfortable, but okay. You know what I mean? And like looking at the way he was running the pass and being like, oh, I get it. It's kind of like this or that. Like that's just fun to me, right? I don't have to be the single ex king of the world, but I have to try it. I have to see what I can pull off. You know what I mean? I have to learn from observing others, pulling half of it off, losing it all. It's just, that's more important to me than being the guy who can pull it off on anybody, just attempting it, you know? Nice. All right, guys. Well, comes towards the end of the podcast. Alex, thanks very much for coming on and sharing your story. Pleasure. Professor Adisa, thank you for being here. Always an honor. Professor Mike. Thank you. Say a big thank you to you then, mate, before we go, and to all the coaches, but we really appreciate what you do. Oh, you're awesome. It makes GBRL different. It makes it what it is. Um, there aren't other academies doing what we're doing. Yeah. And if it wasn't for people who gave up the time to help out and, of course, received some discount, but it's not about that. It's about giving the time up and helping those kids and, and making jiu-jitsu amazing for them. It won't be the same. So thank you, man. Absolutely. Thank you. Absolutely. Okay, until next time, guys. Oops.